Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Tuesday morning, this week of Thanksgiving. I'm Vanessa Denha Garmo here. Grateful to be uh, filling in as a host for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamio, who will be back in her host chair tomorrow. And I'm all, I'm also grateful to be with all of you here. I'm the host of Epiphany on Ave Maria Radio, heard 12 noon Eastern Time weekdays. And it's always a pleasure to be with you. On the last Sunday of each liturgical year, the church celebrates the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, or Christ the King. Pope Pius XI instituted this feast day in 1925 with his encyclical, encyclical in the first to respond to a growing secularism and atheism. He recognized that attempting to thrust Jesus Christ and his holy law out of public life would result in continuing discord among people and nations. The solemnity reminds us that while governments come and go, Christ reigns as King forever. What a reminder we need for what's going on in the culture today. So during the early 20th century in Mexico, Russia, and some parts of Europe, Militantly secularistic regimes threaten not just the Catholic Church and its faithful, but civilization itself. Pope Pius XI's encyclical gave Catholics hope, and while governments around them crumbled, the assurance that Christ the King shall reign forever. Jesus Christ is very truth, and it is from him that truth must be obediently received by all mankind. And that's why I'm very excited to be talking with Steve Ray today, popular Catholic apologist, author, speaker, and pilgrimage leader. And uh, his most recent book is Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary, which I've interviewed him about already. But today we're going to be joining, he's going to be joining us to talk about the Feast of Christ the King coming up this Sunday. And this is such an important reminder to all of us about focusing on Jesus. He is king. He reigns forever. And despite the chaos and the political climate, the division and the culture, the anti-Catholic culture in the world today, we have hope in Jesus Christ, who is truth, right? He is the way, the truth, and the light. That is what we focus on. And, and so Steve Ray is joining us here this morning on Catholic Connection to remind us of the importance of Christ the King and the biblical basis and where it comes from. We talk about in the Old Testament, the New Testament, uh, what it have, must have been one of Mary's first thoughts. Uh, how, how do we see this fulfilled in Scripture? How do the Jews misunderstand him and his kingship? How is the cross like being raised up on the throne like a king? And even after the resurrection, how do the apostles still misunderstand? And what is the king doing today? What is the king doing today? So, so much to talk with Steve Ray today. And it's such an important message as we are in the week of Thanksgiving, a week that we really focus on gratitude, which we should be doing every single day throughout the whole year. And as I said earlier, uh, you know, I really encourage my clients when I'm coaching them in leadership and, and communication coaching that I do, team building coaching, is to always end their day listing out three wonderful things that happened that day, three 
good things that brought a smile to their face that they can point to a success, three happy thoughts that they're really grateful for that happened that day to end their day going to bed with gratitude and such an important message. And our, you know, I was just uh, talking to a local uh, psychologist here in Detroit, Dr. Tim Hogan, who's the author of the book Cultural Hurricanes and who uh, teaches at Sacred Heart Major Seminary online courses for uh, the general public. You don't have to be in a degreed program. And he gave a great idea. I love this. Now, I'm a big proponent in taking um, gifts to family gatherings if you're invited to dinner not just a dish you know we always take a dish in fact ronnie and i are smoking a turkey this thanksgiving taking it to my niece's house but i'm also bringing some gifts books and i'm a big proponent now we have the wonderful ewtn religious catalog that gives us great christmas gifts ideas and how you know taking to a home for dinner gift ideas stocking stuffers so think about what gift you can take to this thanksgiving dinner and dr tim hogan had a great family exercise you can do for Thanksgiving. And this is something he did in his family. And I love it. So you get a white poster board and then you get those little, you know, uh, three by five little cards and you have everybody in the family and the kids, you can use crayons or markers and you either draw or write out what you're grateful for. And you taped it on the poster board. So everybody in the family could see all these wonderful things to be grateful for. And I think this is a great way to bring the family together and focus on Jesus Christ, center your your Thanksgiving meal on gratitude, on what the Lord has blessed you with. So looking forward to talking with Steve Ray here this morning on Catholic Connection. And then also joining us is Heather Lawless with the Reliance Ministries and Reliance Center in Idaho. She penned an op-ed in the Washington Times, uh, and we're going to be talking with her about that op- op-ed unapologetically pro-life. Women don't need abortions. They need people who will love them. And from a young age, she talks about she chose to live her life as an open book. She knew that somehow the ups and downs in her story would benefit the lives of others. Never mind wildest dreams, imaginations, did she think that she would affect more than 22,000 mothers, fathers, and children, helping them find their own path to a happy ending. She's writing the only surviving child in her family. In fact, the first chapter of her life might have been written. Her mother, at the direction of her doctor, was scheduled to abort her shortly after learning of her unplanned pregnancy. Thankfully, she didn't show up for her appointment. Her sibling, who followed her, wasn't as fortunate. Neither was her mom. After following through with the abortion, she was never able to carry children again. And throughout her childhood, she witnessed her suffer devastating miscarriages. So we'll be talking about about this op-ed she penned in the Washington Times, unapologetically pro-life. Women don't need abortions. They need people who love them. In fact, that's a message for us all. People need love. God is love. We are made in his likeness and image. It is love that we need to put out in the world. It is Christ that we need to center our lives on. We need to bring back the Ten Commandments and have them hanging up in all of our homes. We've had Ed Van Buskirk on uh, Catholic Connection before, either with me or Teresa and on my show. And that's a campaign he's been very passionate about, is encouraging families to have the Ten Commandments. And I brought bought his wonderful family kit, and I'm gifting it, where the family makes uh, puts together the Ten Commandments puzzle. You frame it, and you hang it up in your home. 
that's a wonderful gift to take to a Thanksgiving meal or, or a Christmas dinner. Uh, give, give a gift of faith. And I, like I said, EW10 Religious Catalog has a wonderful selection of gift items and books and jewelry and things for the home and things for children and things for the, the man in your life, the things for the woman in your life. Wonderful gift ideas. And I've already purchased a few things from that list already for my family. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Great stocking stuffers. It is eight minutes. It's past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamio, who will be back in her host chair tomorrow. Now it's time to look at the news. Now I'm taking a scan of the country and the forecast, and I'll share some highlights uh, here in the Detroit area. I'll start with my own city, a high of 49 degrees. Rain showers are expected throughout the entire day. It is very gloomy. I'm going to tell you, I'm looking out the window. It's a gloomy, rainy day, but that's okay. Sault Ste. Marie is a high of 36 degrees in uh, the northern part of Michigan and rainy all day. Cincinnati, rain, 57 degrees. Chicago, rain, cloudy skies, a high of 46 it is also raining in Atlanta, high of 65 degrees. But we head south in Florida, a high of 80 in cloudy skies in Jacksonville, a Tampa, a high of 85 and 81 in Miami. And we look on the east coast, New York, as a high of 49 degrees with rain showers. And it is also raining in Washington, a high of 55 degrees. Now we look at the west coast, San Francisco, a high of 65, cloudy skies, a high of 80 in Los Angeles, Phoenix, Arizona, a high of 77, Vegas, a high of 67. And Seattle, a high of 54 and cloudy skies. So looking at the news, uh, a new poll shows a majority of Americans support Israel in its war with Hamas. The Harvard Caps Harris poll found 80% of respondents say they back Israel, although support was more prevalent among older Americans. A majority also support four-hour pauses to help put aid to civilians in Gaza, but they believe Israel has the right to continue its military operations until hostages held by Hamas are released. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is reaffirming U.S. support of Ukraine and its war with Russia. I wanted to reassure the leadership that the United States of America will continue to support Ukraine. Austin met with Ukrainian President Zelensky Monday during an unannounced visit. Austin said the U.S. will continue to support Ukraine's urgent battlefield needs and long-term defense requirements. The visit comes as the administration is pushing Congress to keep funds and weapons flowing to Ukraine. Congress, however, has yet to pass President Biden's latest supplement request, which includes aid for Ukraine and Israel. The public won't be able to see a report on a shooting that took place after a graduation ceremony in Richmond. More from Richard Stelling. School board member Jonathan Young proposed releasing the report by an independent law firm, but his motion was rejected yesterday. An 18-year-old and his 36-year-old stepfather were killed in the shooting five months ago after Huguenot High School's graduation ceremony at the Altria Theater. Young says the investigation is heartbreaking, and if you saw it, it will make you cry or scream. He tells NBC 12 he expects someone will sue to get the report released. The U.S. Supreme Court is rejecting an appeal by the former Minneapolis police officer who was convicted of killing George Floyd. Lisa Taylor has more. That means Derek Chauvin's second-degree murder conviction and sentence will be upheld. Chauvin's legal team tried to argue that he was denied a fair trial due to prejudice and publicity around the case. The now 47-year-old is currently serving a 21-year sentence in Arizona. 
The federal government is investigating an underwater pipeline leak of off the coast of Louisiana that may have sent more than a million gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. The Third Coast Midstream Pipeline reported a slick three to four miles wide late last week, about 19 miles offshore with Coast Guard confirming on Monday. The pipeline has been shut down and several agencies are looking for the source of the leak. Elon Musk's ex suing Media Matters for America for defamation, alleging they defamed the platform following a report that said major brand ads appeared next to posts touting Hitler and the Nazi party. More from Mark Mayfield. Musk and X have faced backlash since the report was published on Thursday, causing several major advertisers to pull ads from the platform in response. Filed in a U.S. district court in Texas, the lawsuit claims that Media Matters manipulated the platform. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest next week. She passed away at the age of 96 Sunday afternoon after being diagnosed with dementia in March. The Carter Center announced ceremonies celebrating the life of Rosalind Carter will be held starting November 27th in Georgia. The public will be able to pay their respects as she lies in repose at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum in Atlanta that night. A private funeral service will be held November 29th at the Carter family residence in Plains. New York City area roads and three major airports are expected to be very busy today and tomorrow as folks travel from Thanksgiving for the Thanksgiving holiday. Scott Pringle reports. Those flying out and driving will have an extra challenge, and that's the weather. Forecasters predicting heavy rain and windy conditions late today into tomorrow, and that can mean flight disruptions and more challenging road conditions on two of the busiest travel days of the year. Now, AAA's Robert Sinclair says today and tomorrow will be the busiest on the roads, but Thursday should be lighter. We're giving the advice that if you can put that trip off, perhaps until Thanksgiving morning, get up very early, hit the road early. AAA predicts this will be the third highest number of people traveling for Thanksgiving ever. Most Americans are hoping to avoid politics at the Thanksgiving dinner table. The Quinnipiac University National Poll shows that more than 60% of Americans would rather not talk about the politics subject. On the other hand, just under three in every 10 said they look forward to discussing politics this holiday. A news release from the university's polling analyst says a healthy dose of zip it will be on the menu this year. It is 13 minutes past the hour. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamio. And when we come back, Steve Ray, popular Catholic apologist, author, speaker, and pilgrimage leader, will be joining us to talk about Feast of Christ the King coming up this Sunday. Stay with us, everyone. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and light housework. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? 
Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria mutual funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. This program is brought to you in part by Charity Mobile, a proud partner of Ave Maria Radio for over 15 years. Charity Mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly $2 million to thousands of pro-life charities. 4G LTE coverage is available nationwide, and 5% of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity. A video introduction is available at CharityMobile.com. Charity Mobile, everyday living, effortless giving. CharityMobile.com. On the last Sunday of each liturgical year, the church celebrates the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, or Christ the King. To talk with us about that is our next guest, a regular of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN and Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, Steve Ray, popular Catholic apologist, author, speaker, and pilgrimage leader. And we're talking about Christ the King. Steve, always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Vanessa. And certainly likewise, I always enjoy talking with you as well. So we're talking about Christ the King from the biblical basis. So let's look at the Old Testament and how it prepares us for Christ's kingship. Yes, the Jews should have recognized him when he came because the Old Testament was full of prophecies and predictions and letting them know. Um, I'm just going to mention two here, although there's a lot more. In the prophet Daniel, it's very interesting. It says, I saw in the night visions with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. Now, right away, you think the ascension, right? Because Jesus was went up into the clouds. The Son of Man went up into the clouds. And when we're at the Mount of Olives, and we look up and say, that's where Jesus went up into heaven. And I say, how do you know where he went after he disappeared from here? Well, you go back to Daniel 7. He was presented. He came, the one like the Son of Man came through the clouds of heaven, and he was presented to the Ancient of Days, which is the Father. And then here we get the king part. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting kingship, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one that shall never be destroyed. So right there, when he went up into heaven, he was presented to the Father after his death and resurrection, and he was given a kingdom which has no end. So this was something, in fact, when uh, the Jews were interviewing him and on the trial, he said, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of glory. You know, this Mm. is me. And they just, they just, that was the end. They had to kill him after that. But they should have said, well, wait a minute, look what he's doing. He's doing what a what the king is going to do someday. He's healing people, doing all these things. Well, that's the first one I would mention. And that comes up in the New Testament then as a prophecy. But then another one that's very interesting is in Psalm 110, which is one of the most quoted verses in the New Testament from the old, David writes, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Now, well, how is that a prediction of Christ being the king? Well, the Lord says to my Lord. So in other words, David is saying, God says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Well, he's referring to his son, David's mm. son, who is going to come. And a son is never the Lord over the father. 
So it's obviously some unique situation. And Jesus even uses that because he says he, he uses this to poke at the Jewish leaders. For, G, for David himself says in the book of Psalms 110, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Thus, David calls him Lord. So how can he be his son? So in other words, D David is prophesying that there's going to become one of his sons who is going to be his Lord, which yeah. is very unusual. So, so yeah. there you've got two. Um, you've got two announcements in the Old Testament, and I, I kept it short because I knew we only had 20 minutes, but there's a lot more. Those are two very key ones that the, he's going to be a king. This one who comes is going to be a king. And the Jewish leaders should have recognized it, but because of their envy and because of their fear and their wanting earthly power, they rejected him. And then you also share the New Testament. I was just thinking, Steve, as you continue with this, the importance of maybe picking one of these Bible verses and really meditating on them as we head into this feast day. Exactly. Okay, so now there's been no king on the throne of Israel for uh -huh. 600 years because the Jews were taken into uh, captivity in Babylon in 586 B.C. Uh -huh. Now, we're at the time of Mary. She's a 15-year-old girl, lives in a cave in Nazareth, uh -huh. and this angel comes and says to her, he says, uh, "You will, your son, you're going to have a son, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord your God will give your son the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Sounds just like what we read from the prophet Daniel. Yeah. But this is 600 years there's been no king on the throne. Imagine, the United States isn't even 300 years old yet. And the Jews have been waiting for the king to come for over 600 years, and now he's announced. This little girl, this young 15-year-old girl in Nazareth, is going to give birth to a son, and he's going to be sitting on the throne of his father, David, which is an amazing announcement. Right there we see it's prophesied, it's told to Mary that the king is coming back, and he's going to be Jesus. Mm. Why? Why do you, I mean? I know this is a question that's been debated by theologians, but why? Why do you think it's so difficult for people to see that connection from the Old and the New Testament? Well, I, there's a lot of what we say sometimes is that the Jewish people, the it's like a man sitting in a bus station and he's got his suitcases and the bus waiting room is full and they're waiting for the bus and he falls asleep and everybody gets on the bus when it comes and the bus leaves. And the janitor comes by an hour later and wakes the man up with a suitcase and says, sir, why are you sitting here? He says, I'm waiting for the train or the bus. He said, well, the bus has already come and gone. And he says, no, it's not. I've been sitting here the whole time. I'm waiting for the bus. And the, the, the Jewish leaders should have recognized that the bus came and they should yeah. have all got on the bus, but they yeah. didn't. And, we're, and the hope is, and, the, and actually the catechism says this, so that at the end of time, they will catch the bus the second time around. But the, we know that the Jewish leaders, and I say that instead of the Jewish people, because many of the Jewish people did believe, obviously, yeah. Mary and all the yeah. disciples were Jewish people. But the leadership, they had an arrangement with the king in Rome. And the king in Rome said, we'll let you continue doing what you're doing as long as you don't let there be any trouble, any insurrection. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus came, he was a threat to the leadership. And they said, if we do not kill him, the Romans are going to come and take away our place from us, meaning the temple. They're going to take away our privileges, and we're going to lose all this power we have. And that's why it says that they did it out of envy because of what he was doing. The real king had come. I, I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. I'm just going to 
Let's see, I've got it here. C.S. Lewis says, the world is enemy-occupied territory. And it is, because wow. even G- wow. the God of this world is the devil. He's re- yeah. he's re- And even when the devil said to Jesus, who is a true king, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you all these kingdoms. Jesus didn't. Uh, didn't deny that he could. He just said, I'm not, don't worship anybody but the Lord your God. The devil is the kind of, uh, taken over the world in a way. So the world is enemy occupied territory. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed. You might say landed in disguise and is calling all of us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you're really listening to the secret wireless messages from our friends about the sabotage. That's why the enemy is so anxious to keep you from going to church. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> the the yeah, king drops awesome. in behind enemy lines. You know, the king drops yeah. down behind mm-hmm. enemy lines. He's landed and he's calling us to join him in the sabotage to regain his kingdom. Steve, I want to ask you a question, one more question before we head to break in yeah. about a minute and a half. What must have been one of Mary's first thoughts? Well, I think just the fact that she knew that the Messiah was coming because she knew her Bible. She knew that. But I think also one of the things she would say is, oh, my goodness, I'm going to be a queen. So why would this 15-year-old girl, probably with muddy feet, just went to the well to get water and flies buzzing around her head? Because that's what it's like over there. And Mm -hmm. uh, the angel makes this announcement, and she thinks to myself, oh, I'm going to be a queen. Why? Because all the queens of the kings of Judah, the kings had queens, but they were not their wives. The queens were their mothers. Solomon's mother went in, 1 Kings chapter 2, 19. Solomon's mother went into King Solomon, her son, to speak to him. And the king rose to meet her and bowed, prostrated himself in front of his mother. Then he sat back on his throne and had another throne brought for his mother, and she sat at his right hand. And then if you go through the Old Testament, you'll see that whenever it mentions a new king, it always mentions his queen mother who sits at his right hand. So Mary knows her history. She knows her son's going to be the king. Guess what that means? She's going to be the queen. Amen. We're talking about the solemnity of our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the universe, Christ the King, with Steve Ray. We're going to continue that right after the break. Sixty on ten with Monsignor Charles Pope. The seventh commandment: You shall not steal. The seventh commandment forbids theft. That is unjustly taking or keeping another's property against the reasonable will of the owner. It also prohibits deliberate retention of goods lent or of objects lost. It prohibits business fraud, paying unjust wages, forcing up prices, and taking advantage of the ignorance or the hardship of another person. It prohibits the appropriation and use for private purposes of common goods. Also, work poorly done, tax evasion, forgery of checks, invoices, excessive expenses, and waste. Under the Seventh Commandment is also tucked our social justice teachings, because if I have two coats, one of them belongs to the poor, and I reasonably ought to give what belongs to them, because God gave all the goods of this world for all the people of this world. For more about the Ten Commandments, visit EWTNRC.com. The binary choice between life and death is the engine that drives the entire story of human history. It's there in the garden where Adam and Eve made the wrong choice. It's there in the days of Cain and Abel when they have to choose between right and wrong worship. 
It's there with Joshua in chapter 24, where he says, choose this day whom you will serve. And the binary choice is there with King David when Bathsheba catches his eye. It's there in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. And it's there in Jesus' teaching. Will you build on the rock or will you build on sand? And when we talk about imitating Christ, we mean that we want to be like Jesus, who always makes the right choice, choosing God above created things. He chooses life, and for those who follow him, he promises abundant life, even eternal life. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Steve Ray this morning here on Catholic Connection, the Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe, Christ the King. And we're talking about now how do we see this fulfilled in Scripture and uh, with one, uh, with uh, uh, Mary as the Queen, Steve? Yes, we had talked before the break about Mary mm-hmm. realizing she's going to be a queen because always the queen is not the wife, but she's the mother of the king. And we see it fulfilled even in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, 1 through 5. It says, A great sign appeared in the heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. Who's this woman? Well, it says, She was pregnant and gave birth to a male child who would rule the nations with a rod of iron caught up to God and his throne. So we see here that God that is talking in the book of Revelation about Jesus being brought up and given a throne, but it's also talking about his mother who is wearing a crown of 12 stars, which of course represents the 12 tribes of Israel. So here we see that fulfilled right even here is that Mary is the queen. And the church, of course, has pronounced that, that she was assumed into heaven, just like Solomon's mother was assumed up to the throne. So Mary was assumed up to the throne too. And the church has dogmatically defined the assumption and coronation of Mary, the last two rosary mysteries of of the glorious mysteries. So, but now the Jews... Vanessa, they misunderstood him, Jesus, and his kingship. There's an interesting passage in John chapter 6 when he multiplied the loaves and the fish. And it said, when the people saw all that he had done, they said, he's indeed the prophet to come. And Jesus quickly got away from them because they were ready to take him by force and make him a king. So the people who he had just fed the loaves and the fish misunderstood who he's doing. They they were yeah. looking for a physical earthly king. And Jesus has said they, that he got away from them because he perceived they were going to force him to become the king, which would, that's not the kind of king he wanted to be. So when Pilate said, mm. behold your king to the Jews, they all cried out, away with them, crucify him. He said, shall I crucify your king? And they all said, we have no king but Caesar. So at one point, they're wanting to make him the king. And at the next moment, they're trying to have him killed. And they're saying that we have no king but Caesar. Just think of that. The Jews, the Jewish leaders knew that there was going to be a king coming. Jesus did everything to fulfill the prophecies that he was that king. And they brought him before the representative of Caesar, and they looked him in the eye and said, we have no king but Caesar. Then they delivered him to be crucified. And that's just a stunning, stunning statement. And even Pilate says, "You are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you have said so. Mm-hmm. So this is, they misunderstood him. Even at the, even the apostles at the last moment, right before Jesus goes up into heaven, he's on the Mount of Olives with them. 
Mm-hmm. And he's he's saying goodbye, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and he's ready to go up. And the last thing they're going to see is the bottom of his dirty feet. But right before he goes, they say to him, so they ask Jesus, Lord, is this the time you'll restore the kingdom to Israel? They're hmm. still expecting Jesus to come in on a white horse swinging yeah. a sword. They're yeah. still looking for an earthly king and still don't realize, even at the ascension into heaven. But of course, after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came down, then they understood. The Holy Spirit brought everything clear to them. It's like put glasses on, and now they could see clearly. The Holy Spirit then was kind of like a pair of good glasses for them. But but they're still expecting him to be an earthly king that's going to come in and kick Rome out. Come on, let's all get on our white horses and gallop <laughs> in, and we'll kick we'll kick the Romans out. So that was really um, they didn't even understand it until after Pentecost. Yeah. So what is the king doing today? Well, today the king is ruling in heaven, and I and I that quote that I gave earlier for those who might not have heard of of C.S. Lewis that the king is first he's ruling in heaven all of creation is subject to him except here on earth and c.s lewis also said that our planet is kind of in quarantine it is secluded from the rest of the universe because we have this thing called sin it's like a disease and so we're in quarantine and but the king of all the universe knowing this is enemy occupied territory it's a story how the rightful king has landed behind the enemy lines. He's landed in disguise, and he's all taking, asking us to take part in this great campaign of sabotage. That's what he's doing now. He's got a plan. He's ruling, and he's going to bring his plan to fruition. And we don't know when he's going to come back, but we're going to see him come back just like he went up into heaven. He's going to come back no longer as a suffering servant who's risen from the dead and gone into heaven. He's coming back as a ruling king who will bring everything under subjection to him. Him. And by the way, he's seated in heaven with a physical body. He didn't have a body before he came down for the incarnation. But we know from scripture and the catechism that he assumed his physical body from humanity and he still carries that physical body with him in heaven. So he is all of those things he's doing and he is working in the church. He's building up believers. He's preparing for the day that he comes back again. We don't know when he's coming back. The king it does, he, the king does what the king wants to do, and he doesn't always tell us ahead of time what he's going to do. He told us what he's going to do. He just didn't tell us exactly when he's going to do it. So, Steve, as we head into uh, this feast day, Solemnity of, of Jesus Christ, our King, how should we be, you know, really honoring this day, meditating on this day? You shared so many wonderful Bible with us should we be taking one and really meditating on it well you would you talked about politics and talking Mm -hmm. about politics over thanksgiving Mm -hmm. the reality is is that there were politics going on back in the early church too people the christians were suffering they were suffering a persecution of the jewish of the jews stephen was stoned by the jewish leadership they also Mm -hmm. were suffering under the romans the romans brought horrendous persecution and the writers of the new testament and the early Um, bishops and the priests reminded people over and over again, Jesus is the king of kings. Don't worry about what happens down here. You are not citizens down here. We live among, we live on this earth. We are good subjects of the king and of our governments today. We are the best subjects. But remember that you are citizen, your citizenship is in heaven. You are a kingly people. You are being prepared for royalty. What's, what's it easier to be, the son of a pauper or the son of a king? 
The son of the pauper gets up and plays all day. He doesn't have to worry about anything. The son of the king is woken up at five o'clock in the morning, and he is trained to speak and understand five or ten languages. He has to learn swordsmanship. He has to learn diplomacy because someday he's going to rule with his father. Jesus is the king, and he is preparing us. Every time we go through a problem or a trial in life, we should remember that we're being prepared for royalty. We are royalty. We're pre- going to, he's preparing us to rule with him in heaven. In fact, in 1 Corinthians, it says that we will judge angels. It says, do you not know that you will judge angels? I have no idea what that means, Vanessa, but it sounds really cool to me that when we get to heaven, we're going to be ruling with him. He's going to be the king, but we're the sons and daughters of the king, and we're being prepared here on the earth for that royal position we're going to have in heaven, where it's going to be brought out in real world, where we're going to be judging angels even. And maybe, who knows, maybe we'll be in charge of other planets and other galaxies or something. I have no idea. But I know heaven's not going to be boring. It's not going to be singing like one billion verses of a hymn. It's going to be great singing up there, but there's also going to be a great adventure because we're the sons and daughters of a king, and he's going to put us to work serving with him as kings and, and daughters and sons of the king. Amen. Steve Ray seconds. Oh, pilgrimages. Just give us a website out. I know things are changing because of the Middle East, but you have other pilgrimages coming out. Give us your website. Catholicconvert.com. Lords and Fatima, Ireland. A bunch of new ones that we've added. Catholicconvert.com. Steve Ray, CatholicConvert.com. Find out about his pilgrimages coming up and stay with us, everyone. Heather Lawless will be joining us with the Reliance Ministries and Reliance Center in Idaho. We'll be right back after this. The prayer of the hour of Jesus is an extraordinary prayer, states the Catholic Catechism. It is the longest prayer recorded in the Gospels that Jesus offers to his Father. He prays it as he is facing the hour of his passion. The Catechism claims the prayer embraces the whole economy of creation and salvation, as well as Jesus' death and resurrection. It always remains his own prayer, just as his Passover, once for all, remains always present in the liturgy of his church. In this paschal and sacrificial prayer, also known as Jesus' priestly prayer, everything is concisely reviewed and summarized in Christ. God and the world, the word and the flesh, eternal life and time, the love that hands itself over, and the sin that betrays it. Jesus fulfilled the work of the Father completely. His prayer, like his sacrifice, extends until the end of time. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. Father Benedict Groeschel. I often go back to my childhood. In church, we love to be reverent, to Christ present in the Eucharist, to Christ on the cross. But I was also impressed by the reverence of my friends in the Salvation Army. They had a little band, and I used to walk past the band on Sunday morning on my way to church. And I was just a child, but I said, you know, they're trying to pray to God. They're showing reverence to God. All this was reverence. Now what do I see? I hear one irreverence after another. And week after week, month after month, the media churns out things that make fun of religion in general and make fun of Christianity in particular and particularly make fun of the Catholic Church. No class. Absolutely no class. EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
unapologetically pro-life. Women don't need abortions. They need people who will love them. That is the op-ed in Washington Times penned by our next guest, Heather Lawless. Thank you so much, Heather, for being with us here on Catholic Connection. Thank you so much for having me. So tell us, Heather, what inspired you to want to write this op-ed in the Washington Times? Well, a lot of different things. And I think especially the culture that surrounds the pro-life movement since the Dobbs decision, I think that um, a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about what being pro-life looks like. So that was one of the main reasons. So give us, our listeners, an overview of your story and and uh, I'll share this on my social media platforms on uh, Axe, Twitter, and uh, Communication Evangelist, Vanessa Denhagarmo, Facebook. But give us an overview of what you shared in this op-ed about your personal journey, your personal story, your mom, and your story. Yeah, so my life was almost never, my life almost didn't happen because my mom was advised to have an abortion after she became pregnant. And there was an appointment made at an abortion clinic, and my mom didn't show up. And so she went against the advice of her physicians and all of her family, and she chose life for me, which was an incredible gift. But then she chose abortion after me. She got pregnant after me and chose abortion, and then throughout my life I had to watch my mom suffer multiple miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And I was an only child, and um, I believe that that one of the reasons she was never able to carry a successful pregnancy was because of her abortion. But my mom and I never got to have that conversation about her abortion. I didn't even find out that she had chose abortion after me until I was, you know, in my early 20s. And then my mom passed away shortly after I found out about that. And so as I started my pro-life work um, after my own unplanned pregnancy, when I was in my early 20s, I chose life for my daughter and uh, she's now 19, and then I married my husband, and he had an older daughter, and he experienced an unplanned pregnancy with her also, which mm. resulted in the, the birth of our first grandson. And so I watched how the, the compassion and how the different reactions and the different um, ways that we treated those circumstances, I watched how those drastically changed our life. And I learned that being pro-life was more than just saying that you're pro-life. It meant really walking it out and proving yourself to be women. I love how the title of this op-ed, Unapologically Pro-Life, because I think that's such an important message for all of us to stand up for truth, you know, and in the pro-life movement and not apologize for it, even as we're living in a culture that's canceling Christians and Catholics and pro-lifers out, we still have to stand up and be unapologetic about our pro-life views. Can you kind of elaborate on that for us? Yeah, I say that I am an apologetic pro-life, but I also say that we have to lead with love first. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to shout that we're pro-life, but we're not leading with love, then nothing matters. And they have to see that, and, and uh, you know, in my op-ed I said, women don't need abortion. They need people that love them enough to tell them the truth and fight for them. And so, you know, women are going to continue to have abortions until they think that they no longer need abortion. So when they see that they don't need abortion, it's going to be when they see that they have practical resources and support and a community of people who are going to come alongside them and love them no matter what. So Mm -hmm. we have to be like Jesus was, and we have 
to tell them the truth. We have to always speak truth, but we have to do it with with love. Um, otherwise, they're going to think that we're liars and hypocrites. And I yeah. think when people think about the pro-life movement, that's just what they think is that we're liars and hypocrites. And I, you know, always say that I, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to change that view before I die. Yeah. Well, a lot of that is, too, because the secular media doesn't really tell the pro-life side of the story and the and the depth that they should. And they don't even share the truth about the crisis pregnancy centers who walk alongside these women with love and charity uh, for, you know, throughout their pregnancy and sometimes up to two years, three years after the child is born. And so those stories are often not told. And that's what I love about your op-ed is that you're sharing the story and you're very open and courageous about it and to inspire other people to know that you can help somebody. You know, the Lord might put a woman in your path who is facing a crisis pregnancy or an unexpected pregnancy and doesn't know where to turn. I know that's happened to me personally, Heather. And, and so what are you hoping that your, your op-ed will inspire people to do? Well, I think that uh, it's easy for people who are pro-life, you know, to show up for a rally or a march or attend an event or write a check, but it really is an everyday thing. It means that when you go to a restaurant and you see that your waitress is visibly pregnant or she says, you know, oh, I've been on my feet for 12 hours and I'm pregnant or, you know, obviously you can ask her if she's pregnant, but if you see someone that's pregnant visibly in front of you or someone who's struggling, maybe a single mom with their kids in the grocery store or, or someone in your church, rather than, than giving them a disapproving glance because you don't see a ring on their finger or something like that, you know, show them kindness, lead with love. It, mm. it means asking about their situation, really seeing them. If you're pro-life, you're pro-life all the time. You're not just pro-life when you yeah. show up to the function or when you write the check. And so it means putting our money where our mouth is. It means walking out those actions you know, walking out those words with our actions. And it really means showing these women that they have value because the fact is is that women are never going to understand the value of the life inside of them until they understand their own value. And that means that we have to love them first. So we have to show them that they have value and worth and that we care about them first. I love that you said that, Heather, because one of the things that I have clients write when I'm coaching with them, my I do communication and leadership and team building coaching, is to write their value statement, to know who they are, the value they bring to the table. And oftentimes there's a disconnect even in the workplace because people don't even know their own value as being part of the team. And so I love that you share that, that people have to know their own value and that we're made in the likeness and image of God and we are loved by God. So... Thank you for sharing that and saying that. We're going to take a break here, Heather, and I want to continue the conversation with you and talk about Reliance Ministries and have you share with us what Reliance Ministries is all about. So stay with us, everyone. We're talking with uh, Heather here this morning on Catholic Connection, Heather Lawless with the Reliance Ministries and Reliance Center in Idaho, and she also penned this wonderful op-ed that I just shared on my X platform, Vanessa Denhagarmo, unapologetically pro-life. Women don't need abortions. They need people who will love them. Stay with us, everyone. We're going to continue with Heather after the break. People ask how they can care for older family members who can't fully care for themselves. One answer is Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. Visiting Angels assists adults nationwide with 600 locations to continue living at home and not have to move into a nursing home. 
Their caregivers provide assistance in hygiene, meals, and lighthouse work. Services are provided up to 24 hours per day, and you can select your caregiver before service begins. More information, including franchise opportunities, is on the web at visitingangels.com. Underwritten in part by the following nonprofit. Finding good health care, encouragement for healthier living, or solid spiritual direction can be frustrating. That's why the Catholic Healthcare Alternative, CMF Curo, is offering a health sharing option. Curo's Christ centered wellness services include Catholic wellness coaching, spiritual direction, and a Catholic community supporting your health and wellness needs. Visit cmfcuro.com to learn more. That's cmfcuro.com, where you can experience Christ's healing love in your health and wellness. Ciao, amici. Teresa Tamio here. If you're looking for something inspiring to give to someone this Christmas season, or maybe just a little stocking stuffer for yourself, make sure to check out the Ave Maria Radio online store. Plenty of books are sale to teach, inspire, and renew your connection with God. Speaking of sales, my book, Everything's Coming Up Rosie, is 25% off this month while supplies last. So go ahead over to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the bookstore. Happy shopping. Hi, I'm Al Cresta. Do you remember writing your Christmas wish list as a child? In developing countries like Haiti and Guatemala, children don't make Christmas lists, and they don't expect Christmas gifts. All their parents earn must go to food, shelter, and water. Can you picture the joy of surprising a child with their first Christmas gift? Send them a box of joy at boxofjoy.org. A rosary and the story of Jesus is included in every box of joy. Give today at boxofjoy.org. talking with Heather Lawless, the Alliance Ministries and Reliance Center in Idaho. She has a wonderful uh, op-ed she penned in the Washington Times. I shared it on my ex-plant forum, Vanessa Denhagarmo, unapologetically pro-life. Women don't need abortions. They need people who will love them. And so, Heather, share with us about the Reliance Ministries. What What is it that you want our listeners to know that you do at the Reliance Ministries? Give us an overview. Sure. So I created Reliance Ministries as a four-part holistic model that I believe can help eliminate the need for abortion. Like I said earlier, women are going to continue to seek abortion until they no longer think that they need it. So by by loving them first, by giving them practical resources, we show them they don't need it anymore. And the first part of our model is the Holistic Reproductive Health Clinic. Some people might call it a pregnancy medical clinic. We offer pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, as well as STD testing, women's well checks, prenatal care, um, as well as material support, mental health support, classes, everything that you could need to learn how to uh, carry a baby in a healthy way and how to be a good parent. We have a men's program where we teach men about being a father, but we believe that you can't learn how to be a good dad until you learn how to be a man first. So we teach men that they don't have to be, they don't have to be big, strong men like the world says. They need to be men of strength, and there's a huge difference. So we teach them about that, and we have a mobile medical unit that we take to the surrounding communities and offers all the same services as our brick and mortar. And then we are moving into the third phase, which is Reliance House, a home where women can live from the time they find out they're pregnant until their babies are a year old. And then a coffee shop called Braveheart Coffee, where the women that live in the maternity home will work and learn job skills. So we wanted to create a full circle 
community and network of care. So these women would see that they're loved, would see that they have value, and then, you know, make a life edifying choice and then walk it out to live abundant life. Because we know that if she chooses life but she doesn't have abundant life, we failed. So how can people get involved in the work that you're doing with Reliance Ministries? How, what kind of support do you need? Well, we always need financial support. We just started our campaign to open our maternity home, and that's a huge thing. We, we have about $200,000 left to raise to purchase this home that we want, and that, that would be a huge thing with, uh, you know, with, with their financial support but also praying for us, and if they're local to us, we always need volunteers. And, you know, this is this is something that we can't do alone. We definitely need a huge community of people to support us. We don't take any money from the government. We are completely debt-free, and so we rely 100% on our supporters. So, uh, Heather, you know, how has the work you've done in the pro-life movement and your, the work you've done in Reliance Ministries enhanced your own faith journey? Gosh, it's been huge. I think that, you know, when I started this, I thought I had this passion inside of me, this fire inside of me that, you know, wanted to help these women. But as as we do it and as I see things start to change and as I get these messages from women that say, you know, you not only saved the life of my baby, but you saved my life, um, it really shows that, that, you know, really seeing these women and loving these women um, we are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We are our Jesus here on earth, and we have to continue to walk that out because we might be the only Jesus that people will see here on earth and the only chance for them to see their worth and their value. And if we don't lead with love and if we don't speak up and, and say the right thing and encourage them and love them, um, they might not ever see it. Mm-hmm. Can you share some stories with us? Do you have a story or two of uh, of a woman you've helped, or uh, any any kind of story that you could share with our listeners today? Yeah, when we first opened about five years ago, we had a girl come to us for parenting classes. She was ordered by the court to come take some parenting classes with her boyfriend, and they they came for about a year and a half, and. Then I didn't see her for a really long time. She kind of disappeared, fall off the face of the earth, as you say. And about a year and a half ago, she walked back into our clinic, and she was in tears and distraught. And we learned that previously, about a week before, she had been in a domestic dispute with her boyfriend, and he had choked her. He had almost killed her. And um, when she... uh, um, he got arrested and he went to jail and then she found out she was pregnant. She took a pregnancy test the next day and she came to us and she said, you know, I don't think that I want to get sober and I don't think that I want this baby. I think that I need to have an abortion. And we were able to talk with her and she did an ultrasound and she got to see her baby on the screen. And, you know, when we talked about it, she said, I literally had nowhere else to go. But I knew that if I came back here, you would listen to me and you wouldn't judge me and you would tell me the truth. Even if I told you I didn't want to have this baby, even if I told you that I didn't want to stop doing drugs because she was on meth, she said, I knew that you would tell me the truth. And she ended up choosing life for her baby and we walked with her along that, along, you know, through, through that. And her daughter now, her baby's name is Namira and she is about 
six months old now, and she's so beautiful. And when she brought her daughter in to meet us uh, at the clinic, she said, sweet girl, I want you to meet the ladies that loved you and loved me even when I didn't love myself. And she said, these ladies ladies loved you before even I did. And that's a huge thing to look into the eyes of a baby and know that that baby wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the work that we did. And and she trusted us. She came back to us because she knew that we would tell her the truth no matter what. And that's Mm -hmm. pretty cool. We have about 30 seconds seconds with you, Heather. What else do you want to share with our listeners before we let you go? I think just what I said before is that the pro-life movement really needs to lead with love. We need to show people they're valuable. And if people want to support us, they can go to relianceministries.com and they can click on that Give button and help us get our house. God bless. Heather, thank you so much for being with us here on Catholic Connection. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Heather Lawless with the Reliance Ministries and Reliance Center in Idaho. Thank you for being with us. And Steve Ray, popular Catholic apologist, author, speaker, and pilgrimage leader, also with us today, author of the Genesis, a Bible study guide and commentary. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless. Teresa will be back in our host chair tomorrow. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.